Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or it's 2 a.m. Good morning. This is Eagle Eyes on Tech. I, of course, am Eagle Falcon. Joining me today, a very special guest, Variety Streeter, Adamus, the Mad Hatter. How are you doing? I am personally fantastic, and thanks for having me today. I'm happy to do it with you, my friend. Thank you for, thank you for being here. Now, we're going to start things off a little out of the norm. Normally, I don't... I like out of the norm. Normally, I don't, on this show, talk about updates to games. Unless it's something really out there. The Doomfist update to Overwatch is actually very fascinating for a number of reasons. If you don't know, this last, what was it, Thursday? With no warning to anyone, Doomfist just hit the PTR. It's just there. But not only that, he came out, unlike any other hero, with no previewable skins, no emotes, no anything. The only thing they had on him was the golden weapon, which is just a texture swap. Which, of course, I got. And... (laughs) And funny enough, actually, on that particular hero, the golden weapon doesn't add much. Just because the weapon already the is. The gun is just golden. <laughs> it already is mostly golden. Gun. Yes. But here's another thing. I don't even, I'm not even sure you know about this, Addy. Yes. Hit me with it. They have already nerfed him. They've already nerfed him? They already altered. <laughs> The day after he launched, they nerfed the charge with his left click from 29 yards to tw- to 24. Oh, that's not bad. I, you know, honestly, I figured if anything, they were going to nerf the damage output itself because now, once again, we have a character that can one-shot, which before was only something that Roadhog could do. And then nerfing Roadhog, I automatically assumed that they were going to be trying to take the one-shots out of the game, except for maybe a lucky, you know, direct hit, rocket hit on a Tracer. That automatically kill her. Now, yeah. Also, Roadhog can still one-shot a Tracer. Because Tracer has the lowest health in the game. But even a 250 health character with a fully charged Doomfist attack against a wall kills him. It's instant. So, a number of things kind of fascinate me about this particular update. First off, everyone was immediately angry with, with who, the, who Blizzard picked for the voice actor. Terry Crews wouldn't have fit in a Blizzard game. He wouldn't have fit in this universe. Terry Crews has never been a serious actor. He's always no. a comedic actor, a character actor. So for him to voice such a um, a profound character, uh, somebody that's supposed to be like the ultimate evil, somebody that's single-handedly taken over so many things and then so much damage himself, Terry Crews would have made that character. Although, don't get me wrong, Terry Crews is one of my favorite actors. He does amazing work. I love him and his comedy, and he always does a good job because he's this huge behemoth of a fucking man that just makes you giggle and laugh, man. So it's a really nice contrast between what he looks like to how he acts. But that would not have fit in as this character. I mean, sure, they're both buff as fuck, and okay, if we're being a little bit more on the racist side, which we're not, not saying we are, but they're both black. 
I mean, the other key but... thing why the uh, why Terry Crews wouldn't have fit, in my opinion, at least one of the thing that's that's stood out with all of the Overwatch characters is the fact that they all have very very thick accents for where the characters come from. Incredible for, for a hero like Doom for well. For a hero, in massive quotation marks, like Doomfist, who is supposed to be from Nigeria, Terry Crews would not fit. Like, at all. Absolutely not. He has one of the most American voices ever. Yeah. But that's kind of a minor point. The other thing that's really fascinating, to me at least, is... It seems to me... And we saw this with Orisa, too. They seem to be releasing heroes much more earlier in development than they did in the past. Especially when compare it to Anna and Sombra. Anna and Sombra both saw like a week on the PTR, maybe one change, and then bam, they were live. Well, we got we gotta take into account that Doomfist is probably one of the more interesting and kind of unique characters to come out in Overwatch because you're not going to be focusing on actually shooting enemies, which is the main yeah. point of this game. It's an FPS. He's more of a close-range kind of beat-em-up brawl character where a lot of people are saying that he doesn't necessarily fit in this game. I think it's going to be really interesting because he, he already shows that he's a great counter to a lot of the characters currently in the meta from all of his CC to the fact that he's not afraid to go in because he gets uh, whenever he lands an ability, he automatically gets some shields and stuff. So yeah, I think he's going to, I think he's going to be an incredible character to see what people do with him. And I'm going to be really more interested to see what pros are able to do with him compared to people like even in my rank, which is not necessarily a low rank, but we're going to not be able to do some of the crazier stuff and probably not see the potential of this character like the pros do. I mean, the pros use Sombra right now simply because she's an incredible character, but she's actually, they, they say that she's not classified in the right area. They and I kind of agree. She should be more of a support character because she every is. single one of her abilities is more backing up more than her doing the damage herself, her going in and doing all this other stuff. And there's one thing I actually should test the next time I'm screwing around. A DPS race between Lucio and Sombra. Sombra would win because she still outputs a lot of DPS if you could actually land her shots. Yeah. Like, and she has a huge clip. So she can one clip true. almost any character. That's true. Anyway, we're going to keep a close eye on the development of Doomfist. This, to me, feels like Doomfist was brought out to the PTR for the people to test far earlier than than they normally would do. I mean, the art department clearly isn't even ready for them. They don't have the skins or anything ready. If they They did, they'd be out. (laughs) Nah, because think about how long people... People have been waiting since the beginning of the game to see Doomfist. The the day one thing that they've released was, you know, the whole, oh, a kid walking after the Doomfist, you know, freaking arm and all that other stuff. Doomfist is this huge character in the game and he's just been so sought after and we've waited for him for such a long time to actually be able to play him and see what he's capable of. And even after a couple days, I can do some pretty fucking crazy things with Doomfist compared to when I just picked him up. So he's an incredible character in my opinion, but he's definitely... 
it's definitely going to take some time to see him fit in, but I wouldn't doubt if we immediately see some, you know, quote unquote, Doomfist mains, because there's always people like that. But yeah. I, I think people are going to be way more open to a Doomfist main being in their game than a Sombra main. Yeah. We'll also see how often he's altered. I mean, less than 24 hours later, already abilities are being altered. I can't remember the last time I've ever seen that out of Blizzard for anything other than, like, we found something that if you hit E three times, it crashes the server. Or something along that sort of <laughs> massive exploit. It's just fun. With but that, I mean, that's why it's in the PTR, so we can get these bugs out. I mean, there's still, there's still a huge bug to where, like, sometimes you just can't charge up your, you know, your right-click. You just hits instead so yeah. there's definitely some bugs to work out I, i'm pretty sure they just released him so early because they wanted to give everybody something that they've been waiting for it's been a while since the last character came out and if they want to keep overwatch relevant and keep people playing as much as they do even though it's a, it's an emerging esports scene there's a lot of buzz around it. it's one of the top games watched on twitch I think that some of the buzz about it is slowly starting to die down, but it's good that they released the contenders. It's good that they're releasing this new thing. So I'm really curious to see where Overwatch really goes from here. As am I. As I'm also curious as to how the affiliates program is going to expand. Mm. Now, I already talked in great lengths about the sub button and how people have reacted to it, both positively and negatively. That's fair. There's been a, a lot of a lot of it going going around, and I still stand by what I what I said last week that it comes down as a business decision to compete with the other streaming platforms. Mm. Personally, personally, saying if you think of it from a business standpoint, I don't think they have anything to worry about. No other streaming platform will ever get the buzz that this has. Uh, one thing is, like, I know a lot of people, because I have quite a few friends that stream on Beam, which I actually turned into Mixer. Um, a lot of my friends, because actually one of my friends went from streaming on Twitch, you know, not really getting anywhere to within a couple months becoming a partner on Beam, which you only have to have 30 viewers to get, which is nothing. Um, actually, but it's a lot harder on Beam. I actually want to correct you. They updated, they upped it to 45. Oh, they upped it? They upped it. Okay. Mixer is actually okay. making it harder to become a to become a partner, which is not the best decision in the world in my opinion i think the only reason that they would do that is because they are personally expecting they were i know they were expecting a huge growth when they, they launched the application on xbox but i knew it wasn't gonna do shit like launching on xbox uh, a console that almost nobody even fucking plays anyway you know if you have a console you're probably playing on the ps4 because it's just a better console it had yeah. better releases it has better gameplay it has better almost everything and i think that they're going to lose a lot of money on this whole this new xbox that they're releasing even though they're going to be having the oculus to it which is yeah. still rumored it's not 100 percent from what i know but it's not going to be enough to make people want to go get that system. The main games that they always had on the Xbox are just not even good anymore. I mean, Halo sucks. Let's get real. Um, Halo is a totally different game. It's a totally different feel. It's more streamlined. It's more CSGO and like Call of Duty-ish than it was ever Halo itself, which the game we all grew up with and loved. It's just done. It's gone. It's over. So 
Mixer with the launch launch of the Xbox and everything, it just isn't doing what it needed to do to get anywhere. The biggest channels on there are channels that are in different languages. <laughs> um, and music actually, channels. Like, surpri- surprisingly enough, actually, the biggest channels on there are not gaming channels at all. Yeah, one of them was um, like a dev channel, wasn't it? I've seen dev channels, talk shows like this one. This one being big on there. It's all... it's It seems more of Mixer trying to compete with the non-gaming side of YouTube than it is with anything else. Now, granted, mm. Mixer did not only launch the, the Xbox app, but they also have Mixer streaming tools built into Windows 10 itself. Which, by Do the that. way... Okay. Which, by the way, after benchmarking it, no... It's no, just no. It's no. It's literally more hardware inefficient than OBS. Really? And OBS eats up how how many gigs of my RAM right now? Nine? <laughs> well, do you use regular OBS or OBS Studio? Studio. Okay, good, because Studio does like almost nothing for me. Like almost nothing. <laughs> like I'm actually looking at a few of um. Well, that's stupid. Dude, I'm looking at mixers like some of the top people being watched right now, and one of the top people is actually something called a co-stream, which is kind of interesting. You, ha- I have there's three people currently mm-hmm. streaming on one channel, and it's three different screens, and it's called a co-stream, which has an interesting thing to it. But again, I just do not see Mixer going anywhere. It's never going to be a huge thing. Like, like I can say without a doubt, I'm very proud of my homie, which his name is KW Erion. I'm going to check him out right now. Out of curiosity, I'm curious where he's gone because there was a time where he was streaming for almost a hundred viewers, which, you know, was goddamn impressive. But uh, he's got 40,000 views on his channel already. He has over 2,000 followers. Uh, I mean, he, he's definitely got some cool things to him, but, like, almost nobody watches his past broadcasts. I mean, I think he rarely streams anymore because it just didn't go where he wanted it to go because it's, it's Mixer. It's just not going to go anywhere. Nobody's ever going to be able to compete with Twitch. The time where anybody's going to be able to t- compete with Twitch is when Twitch dies. And if Twitch dies, the streaming world's going to die with it. But I don't see Twitch going anywhere. It, it's hard to tell, especially with the surprising amount of growth that YouTube has had late in YouTube gaming's life. It's is YouTube kind of, gaming actually doing well? It's, it's, it's starting to take off. I mean, back when I was simulcasting on literally every outlet that existed, there were days, where, you, where, there were days where YouTube gaming would match my Twitch outlet. My Twitch viewership. Really? It was really bizarre. Not bad. Because what I, what I, what I noticed, because I did do a little bit of simul casting early in my Twitch career, which I did to Beam, Twitch, and um, YouTube. And there's really, 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 really... There's, I'm sorry. There's some really cool features that allow you to watch all the chats at once and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But YouTube gaming is primarily 
taken over by the people that already have hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Those people obviously can stream on their channel, but they'll get notified, you know, half a million people at once. And of course they're going to get viewers. So I think streaming Mm. is possible for them, but as a new person going on YouTube gaming, it's impossible. You're never going to get anywhere. You're not. Because nobody's going to subscribe to a, to your YouTube channel just to watch you stream. It's just not a thing that YouTube does. Yeah. YouTube will take it if it dies. Ah, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. Right now, the streaming world is, is a hard one to predict, especially with one thing that E three showed is that Microsoft's going all in with Mixer and game integration. I'll, Almost every single Xbox exclusive had, quote-unquote, some sort of integration with Mixer. Now, chances are we're not really? going to see that. Now, chances are we're not going to see that until the year 2525, or whenever the mm-hmm. heck each piece of this, each, each one of these pieces of vaporware ever show up. But yeah. 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 And then at the same time, we also talked about this last week, about how Twitch is also in the beta phase of introducing a lot of that sort of interactivity that Mixer already has. Including trying to go one step above that by, and you're going to love this, apparently trying to develop their own internal integrated deep bot. Really? Now, granted, that... it's not that exact word, but you look at every single feature that, that it's, that's going to be integrated in it, it's deep bot. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, I think that's something that they should have had from the beginning. They saw that like bots were a huge part of Twitch itself. And I have noticed that Twitch has slowly started to screw over all the third party applications that really, you know, help Twitch be where it is. They really have. I mean, Gameless was a huge tool for lower end streamers to be able to actually, you know, make a living off of streaming. Like me, for example, the only reason I was ever able to make a living off streaming was because I had Gameless and I had an uh, outstanding amount of people that wanted to support the streaming, wanted to support me making content. Uh, as soon as the affiliate sub button was released, I saw a huge dip over about, I would say, 60% of the people that subscribed to me on GameWisp, you know, unsubscribed from GameWisp and subscribed on Twitch, which, yeah. of course, is, you know, it's cool and all. I mean, GameWisp is still giving you a lot more money and a lot more availability. We don't have to wait 60 days. As soon as you yeah. get $25 in GameWisp, you can cash out, which is still super helpful. So I am thankful that a lot of my GameWisp users are staying on GameWisp. Um. But besides that, I think it'll be interesting to see exactly where it goes. I know they're going to give us ad revenue. And if they give us ad revenue, there's almost nothing that a Twitch partner has that an affiliate has. So what's the point at that point? Like, is, 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 does it even matter at that point? You know what I mean? There, I do think it's going to – oh, sorry. Please? There are quite a few, quite a few dif- differences. Um, the big one is the fact that the partners have more than one emote at the base tier. That's fair. That's fair. And that's that's probably the and biggest. And we're not going to get any emotes. No. At at least at this Which, point. Now Twitch could really that, throw us a curveball on that one. But that would be ridiculous, especially since the they should have done the same thing. <laughs> no, okay, but really quick, my opinion yeah. is they really, really should have done it the same thing with partners. Maybe not give us as much, but say we hit twenty five. 
you know, subscribers. Give us another sub. Or, I mean, give us another emote. 50 yeah. viewers or subs. Give us another emote. Allow us to create that emote pool. There's no reason. And I don't think, I think it's silly that they just gave us this little purple star because it's not as um, interesting as the other ones. But that is another thing that you need to say if some things are partners. Yeah. So if partners do feel they're getting something out of being a partner because at this point we almost have everything that they have. And one thing that I found out is apparently, did you know you can't apply to be affiliate right now? So they're not accepting any new affiliates. You've never been able to apply to I be affiliate. I saw a couple of posts. That you were able to for a while. No, it was invite. It was no, invite no, from- it was invite during the first part. And after they got the first invites out of the first two weeks and they invited everybody else, it was, uh, you can apply. Really? But so as of right now, there is no more Twitch affiliates. Like nobody is able to get hmm. it. So if you're not already an affiliate, you will not be an affiliate. That's but this is just speculation. This is a couple things that I read. Um, I'm not 100% on this. It's just, again, just something yeah. I was reading. But I think that's an interesting take, and I think that's a little bit fair to give at least. Because, you know, there's about 20,000 partners currently on Twitch, and there's about 60,000 affiliates. Yeah. So that's huge. That's a lot of uh, amount of people. But then we remember that over 2 million people broadcast on Twitch a month. So that's still a decently low amount because a lot of people never get out of that, you know, one to five viewer range. A lot of people never do. They'll stream for a long time. I mean, I almost never did. It almost made me quit streaming because after a year of streaming, I was barely at five viewers. I was like, will I ever get there? Will I ever see the fruits of my labor and see if I have what it takes to be that streamer? But one big thing and one big advice I give all new streamers is never give up because you never know when you're going to get that big break. You never know when you might just accidentally get hosted by somebody huge because they do do that. And then a few of those people stay and then that keeps happening, which is typically how it happens or how you if you do it some similar to like how i did it and that's just becoming part of you know thousands of people's streams and eventually making so many friends that they just help you out a little bit or some of the people in their streams that have watched me too uh there's i mean there's a million ways to actually get your stream going to where you want it's all about how much effort and what you're willing to do yourself yeah and with that we will move on to what I thought last week, despite the affiliate news, actually is the bigger deal. And that's the new, updated, no longer toxic cancer of a Twitch mobile app. Oh, yes. Thank God. <laughs> thank God. Dude, that, mobile, that mobile app was a joke. It was. Okay? It, it was, was a joke. It was awful. And finally, it's updated. It's, it takes you a little bit to get used to. But I can now answer the question that I couldn't answer last week. The question was, how easy is it for you to accidentally start streaming the inside of your pocket? Hard. It is extremely hard. I don't see that ever happening. It is, I don't see that happening. It's never going to happen. No. But I there do is, love that they introduced that. Yes. I do. And the main reason why I kept saying that this is going to be a bigger deal than the affiliate sub button, which is also a big deal, mind you. Of course. It is the fact that it's going to make IRL streams, social eating streams, and what's the last one? Oh, creative. It's going to make those three categories explode. 
Dude, I, I can imagine, because something that I loved growing up, um, something that always gave me inspiration with my guitar playing and everything, is I would go hiking, find the highest point I possibly could, sit on top of a big rock formation and just play my guitar. I would absolutely love to do an IRL stream of me going on a hike, getting to that point, and jamming out. Like, that would be an incredibly huge amount of fun and something to really take uh, Twitch by storm, showing some different parts of the world and showing um, something else. Another thing that I've always wanted to do is if I ever get to that point of being a bigger streamer is I'm going to travel the world and stream it. Now, Twitch has made that super easy for me. Super easy for me. That's a big, big dream of mine. Um, But mainly you're going to see, like, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be using that Twitch app a lot for little random segments of daily rants and uh, just going on random journeys because there's times where I have to drive an hour and a half to pick up my little brother, do a few things to even get anywhere, to even visit any of my friends. I have to travel over an hour and a half to two hours. So the cool thing is I would be excited to just kind of stream and chat with my viewers while driving down. Maybe not be super safe. And Unjust Banana, um, the places that I live in all have LTE. <laughs> it's LA, bro. It's all the LA and Ventura County. They LTE everywhere, even in the mountains, dude. Even in the yeah, mountains. For those who don't who don't know, um, when I'm not doing either this podcast or streaming on Twitch, my actual job is I'm a medium duty trucker. I drive a lot of oh, the box trucks you see. So I've thought about it too. Just hooking up the fo- hooking up the phone to like a da- dash mount and ju- and just streaming on the road. That'd be sick. And then I thought about trying to read chat while driving ten tons worth of truck down the road, and just thought, you know, that might not be the safest thing in the world. <laughs> well, you're you're a tech guy, and I could imagine because there's already text to speak chat in a way, and there's ways to get that to happen. So you could get that to happen in your car, and maybe through a Bluetooth speaker, have chat be read to you. That'd be chill. Yeah, maybe I don't know how in a, it fucking would work. But. Now, maybe <laughs> in a modern car, but yeah, yeah, true that, true that. No, no, not in a truck, you know. In my in my Asuzu NPR, that's not happening. That thing barely has a working radio. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> and also, might be dead, so we might be getting another truck. <laughs> but well, that's that's, that's a story for another day. Th- yeah. So yes, it is out. It is extremely hard to go live by accident. It, I counted. It takes you 12 different button presses on different locations of the screen. Seriously? Yes. You cannot yeah. activate this by accident. Unless, it is cool, though. Unless you have like the most evil hamster in your pocket. Like the old, that's the only way I could see this happening. You never know, though. You know? You, you never, never know. know. Uh, and with that, there's one more little detail of Twitch news I want to talk about. Because this actually came up shortly after the podcast last week ended. And this feels like an eternity ago. Just... This week felt like two weeks. I'm not the only yeah, one who thinks that, it's, right? It's, it's been a long week for sure. <laughs> oh my god. And that is a tweet that came out from Twitch support. And you and I have both noticed this. And that oh, yeah. was ever since the app came... Ever since the Twitch mobile app came out. And it was first started on iOS, then moved on to Android. And that was... 
the random sudden follows while live from people that weren't in chat. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Here is why here is why it happened. Now this this made me worried because I thought it was getting follow about it. And I do not like to get follow about it. I don't like any of that shit happening because it's just freaking annoying. Yeah. Here is actually what it is. The actual tweet is notice a sudden increase in followers after the release of our new mobile app. Worry not, as this is a part of our new user onboard flow. I'm sorry, our onboarding flow. Yeah. Later on in the, in the same tweet chain, someone revealed if you are a brand new user that comes on the Twitch mobile app, it will ask you a few questions, including what games you are into, yep. and will then impulse recommend streamers to follow. This is how it's happening. Some of those people then go into the chat a- afterwards. Some, a, a large majority of them then do not, especially this week because they immediately went to go watch uh, Games Done Quickly. <laughs> Which has been a huge event, man. They've... Yeah. Wow, I'm just... I'm so fucking awe. It's, it's amazing how much they've already raised and there's still another day. Yeah. Well, not only... Here's a, here's a fun little fact. That number they're showing right now that's not including the bits. Right? There's only 1.6 million bits donated, which is over 160,000. So. Kind of crazy. It's 2.6 2. mil. It's 2.6 mil now? If you include the bits and actual donations, it is 2.6 million raised. Well, the bits is. Only oh, I know. The bits are each cent. No, no, no. I lied. Ignore everything I just said. I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listening to me when I'm talking talking is not a good thing. You shouldn't do that. But in any case, that actually solves one mystery that kind of sorta came up in our in our chat here and came came up in a lot of aspiring streamers chats. I mean, the partners don't care if they, if they get follow botted because once you're partnered, you stop caring about follows. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm not sure. It's before then you really start caring. Especially when you have, like, only three digits of follows. Or even low four digits. That's fair. <laughs> so, with that, we're going to end our discussion of Twitch topics. And move on to... Why now is not the best time in the world to build a gaming rig. Is there something going on with that? There is. This actually just broke this last week. This actually just broke yesterday. So there's been a number of reasons why trying to build a gaming rig right now is not a good idea. Mostly revolving the GPU market. Right now, if you don't know, Bitcoin mining is back on the rise again. Oh, really? Isn't that stupid where you just leave your freaking shit on for a long time? And then... Yep. Thing is, now thanks to the new Bitcoin, the new Bitcoin, Ethereum, is now profitable again. So, first off, first off, if you were hoping to get on the AMD side of things for their GPUs, A, 
That's a bad idea for a completely different reason we'll get to later. And B, you can't because the parts aren't around. They're all bought up by people wanting to fill up 42U racks of GPU mining rigs. But there's another reason why building a rig right now is not the best idea. And that is because of an accident that happened at Trendforce involving a liquid nitrogen explosion. Fortunately, (laughs) the look on Addy's face the moment it went to liquid nitrogen explosion. (laughs) You're muted right now. Yep, still muted. Alright, well, while he is uh, troubleshooting his mic, I'm going to explain the story. Fortunately, don't panic, no one was hurt. No one was hurt in the accident. However, it has put RAM production far behind. Between this and the fact that a lot of the more modern phones in in the Android world are trying to compensate their OS on top of OS interface, which is very RAM inefficient by just stacking up 8, 12 gigs of RAM in a phone. It has started to create a RAM shortage. You're going to start noticing that RAM prices are going to start going up. At least until... Trend Force gets back up to normal production. I'm going to try and mute and unmute Addy here real quick. You are still muted. technical difficulties great even in a pre-recorded podcast just gonna quickly undo and redo my stuff here to quickly make sure that it is not on my end here we're on cable output vb audio point there on here we are on BB audio. Okay, that's correct. Alright, well, Andy is going to have to restart his rig for his rig. We'll see if we get him back or not. In the meantime, let's talk about how OnePlus is trying to become a thing again. So, One OnePlus is kind of a phone company that decides to just occasionally exist and then not exist for a while. And I'll be real honest, I completely forgot that OnePlus even went to... Already made five phones. It only seems like last year they had the OnePlus 2 out. Though granted, they did kind of fall out of popularity for a while. 
the OnePlus 5, on the other hand, which is their phone they've just released now, is in fact one of these phones that is partly responsible for the RAM shortage I mentioned earlier. The OnePlus 5 is a phone with 8 gigs of RAM and 128 gigs of internal storage. Now, the 128 gigs of storage is no big deal. That's pretty common. But... The 8 gig of RAM is a big, is a big deal. Like I said, uh, Google Android is kind of a weird sort of affair where normally you have the OS, which is not the most stable thing in the world, but then what really ruins Android is the second operating system that the manufacturer throws on top of it. OnePlus normally does not do that. They just leave it as stock vanilla Android. So to grab a phone like this, which is... I don't think they actually talk about the actual processor in this. They do. It's a 2.45 gigahertz Snapdragon SoC. That one I'm actually familiar with. It is a quad-core times two processor. You're going to have one processor at 2.45 gigahertz. Then another one at 1.2. They balance each other out. Blah, 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 blah. The point is... Is this thing is a beast of a phone. It is going to be very, very powerful. And if you're in the kind of situation that I'm in right now, which if you don't know, I've been kind of going back and forth between staying on the Android world or going over to, over to the dark side of iOS. I've been... It's, it's been a rocky relationship. This could be something that someone in my position would go back to consider Android again. Because there's one thing that hurts Android the most by far. It is that second layer thrown on top of the actual operating system. So, OnePlus 5. This should be a Galaxy S8 competitor. Easily. At three quarters of the price. And possibly even then... be much, much more stable. The only downside is that if if you're one of the 12 people in the universe that use a smartwatch, Android smartwatches aren't the best. But, what are you going to do? Unjust Banana says in the chat, iOS UI is poop. (laughs) I'm not going to go that far. The iOS UI is very simple. That's one thing iOS has done very well, is being as simple as possible. And that's also why the phone runs so much smoother. The one thing I don't like about where iOS is going is that iOS is trying to market itself as being as complicated as a workstation class desktop. Especially with the iPad Pro ads. Oh my god. It is just mind-shatteringly infuriating how much the iOS ads for the iPad Pro just keep insisting they are the same quality as a desktop. And they're not. I guarantee you 
my laptop workstation over there that is currently being my production studio for both my Twitch streams and this podcast you're listening to right now. Despite the fact it is four years old, will smoke any iPad made today, made yesterday, and made next year. No question about it. I What iOS does, it does extremely well. But Apple does need to get a grip on the situation and realize that they are just... They need to realize what they are. They are not an engineering-grade workstation. They're not the stuff I used to buy and sell on the mass market. They're not a 24-core workstation that's going to design the next bridge or discover the cure for cancer. An iPad Pro is just that. It's an iPad, but slightly better. Much like how the MacBook Pro is a MacBook, but slightly better. And with that, we move on. Now, as I mentioned before, when Adamus was still here, we talked a bit about how the GPU market is drying up because of Bitcoin mining, specifically Ethereum mining. Asus and Sapphire are coming up with answers to this. Asus and Sapphire have come up with... Are you ready? They have come up with graphic cards specifically for Bitcoin mining. Now, I want to be clear about this. This is not... Like the Butterfly Lab SOC... No, not SOCs. What were they called? Application specific... God, I can't remember the exact acronym that the Butterfly Lab cards were. Regardless, those cards specifically were designed to mass mine Bitcoins. And only Bitcoins. Those same cards are not designed to mine Ethereum. Ethereum mining works completely different from what Bitcoin mining did. That's why the GPUs are in high demand. So, if you're going through and getting a gra- and getting a graphic card for your rig, do make sure it is not one of these mining cards. Make sure you take a look at the picture, because you will notice on these mining cards... That's, there's only going to be ventilation. There is going to be no display outputs. If you are into mining, these cards might get you more performance than an average GPU would because of tweaks they've done to the GPU. But of course, nobody will know until they're tested. And granted, most people don't want to benchmark for Bitcoin mining cards because they'd just rather keep them running and earn more coins. 
time is money in the case of Bitcoin mining. So these are out there. If you are mining for Ethereum, this could be an excellent opportunity to get something on the cheap, assuming they're still in stock. This also might be the answer that helps put regular gaming graphic cards back on the shelves. And with that, we move on to the new hotness from AMD. I don't even know what to think about this one. This is a card that uh, I was really hoping to hear more about it. And then when it came out, I became instantly disappointed. This is the Radeon, uh, yeah, the Radeon Vega Frontier Edition. So, let me give you a little bit of history. A little more than a year ago, AMD came out with the Polaris architecture for their graphic cards. This was the known as the RX 480. Polaris was so disappointing that their highest end card in Polaris could only compete with the mid-tier cards of NVIDIA. The RX 480 only sold for $200, and that was his big point. That, hey, our best card only costs 200 bucks. It was also because their best card could barely keep up with the GTX 1060. So, we heard about for a while, and we kept talking about every time a rumor came in that had any sort of credibility on it, about the next Radeon architecture known as Vega. Vega and Ryzen. Those were the two things that was going to save AMD and have them stop being the absolute abysmal joke that they are. Now, fortunately for AMD... Ryzen did help AMD a lot. Finally, after 10,000 years, at least what felt like 10,000 years, AMD had a processor that wasn't laughably bad. And once again, we're hoping that for the Xbox Scorpio, or, I'm sorry, what did they call it? Oh, right, the Xbox One X. We hope for that, for that console's sake that... That launches with a Ryzen chip in it. Because the Jaguar one it had before is what led to the downfall of the PS4 Pro. So maybe the Xbox One X can actually get relatively close to what they're claiming. Because if it still has a Jaguar CPU in it, it's not going to get the six teraflops they're claiming. So when the RX 580 came out, we were hoping for it to be a Vega card. It was not. It was Polaris again. And it was only 10% faster than the 480. So right off the bat, we lost hope. Then we heard that the Radeon Vega was being released as a separate card. It was not going to be in the numbering system. 
That's great! Fantastic! The Vega's actually going to exist. This is great. Except for one thing. The Radeon Vega card is launched as a GeForce Titan competitor. The GeForce Titan, if for whatever reason you don't know, is the hilariously overpriced gaming cards that NVIDIA sells. Most people buy them as professional cards that very few people use. Normally with professional cards, you want certifications that they're going to work flawlessly with certain applications. The Titan cards didn't have that. And so it was for a very small subsection of pro users. The Vega Frontier Edition is supposed to compete with that. Which is fine, except for one problem. Just like the Titan, the Vega Frontier Edition does not have the certifications that Radeon Pro and Quadro cards have. Those driver certifications are not there. So it'll work with your CAD rig. It'll work to try to render what would happen if an if an oil pocket exploded under the earth to see what would happen to simulate the damage. It would work to build your bridge. It would work to find that that tumor. But it won't work reliably. The other problem is the fact that the $600 GTX 1080 Ti smokes the Vega Frontier. Naturally, so does the Titan XP, but the Titan XP is also more expensive. And you can go through and go through the go through the various benchmarks. That's basically what it boils down to. It's meant to compete with the Titan, but it's not there at all. Now, PC Per did finally ask, after they ordered a couple of these, wanting to make sure they got one, what if you use two of them? Radeon cards, you can, you can do what's called crossfire. That's using two cards at once. But... But, normally you would expect doing this sort of thing to have, oh, I don't know, double the performance? Normally you don't. You usually get about 95% performance increase. So, I mean, it's not the best in the world, but hey, performance increase is a performance increase, right? Well, the Radeon Vega Frontier Edition... Granted, it's a unique card. It doesn't get close to 90% increased performance. 
It actually gets closer to 20. Now, it's hard to say whether it's a new card, it's a driver issue, that sort of thing. Or if it is just a further sign that the age of Crossfire and SLI really is dead. And it's hard for me to tell. I do know this much. There is no human being in existence that is going to shell out $2,000 to not beat a $600 graphic card on anything. I don't understand why AMD went this route. The Titan cards from NVIDIA have always come off as kind of a joke. Very few people went and got a Titan in the first place. Very few people seeked out a Titan. A lot of people have done theoretical builds with Titans just to see... how ridiculous of a rig they could build. But nobody's going to do the same thing with a Radeon Vega. The only person that's going to use this when really when push comes to shove is Apple. Because Apple already said they were going to use this in the... Holiday release, iMac Pro. And if this is the only GPU option they're going to they're gonna launch in it, it's going to be a hard sell to the actual professional user looking for a card with that sort of capability. And with that, we w- I actually should clarify one thing. All of these benchmarks are with the air-cooled only version of the Radeon Vega Pro, or the Radeon Vega Frontier Edition. There is a water-cooled version that has not been benchmarked yet. Maybe the water-cooled version will match the GTX um, 1080 Ti. Maybe it'll match the um, the Titan XP. But it, is it really going to be worth it? Is it really? I mean, here's the thing. It's a card built like a gaming card for not gamers. It was the same problem the Titan had, and it's going to be the same problem this card's going to have, except it doesn't have the comical naming of the Titan. 
All right, we did just get word from Adamisk. He unfortunately did have to reinstall his audio drivers. And we only have five minutes of recording going, so we are just going to go through our last story without him. And and hopefully everything is going fine with his rig and that he'll be able to actually continue streaming as he normally does. And so on and so forth. Also, apparently we just hit 10,000 views on Twitch. So, neat. Alright, last thing I want to talk about. And this is kind of a way out there sort of story, but it amuses me for a number of reasons. The Tesla Model S, the all-electric car that has been around for a while, got new crash ratings in. From the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, the IIHS, announced that it got the highest rating across the board except for one particular crash. That crash, I'm trying to find the the actual name of the crash. The Offset Frontal Collisions Test. This is a crash hitting the front driver's side corner of the vehicle. The IIHS gave it a rating of only acceptable for that because on this crash the wheel shattered. And parts of the wheel actually did enter the cab in addition to the airbag not deploying full enough. So the crash dummy's head actually went through the airbag and hit the steering wheel. Those actually do come off as kind of big deals to me. But at the same time, you're going to live. You might have a concussion, but you're going to live. So, really in the grand scheme of things, who really cares? Car that crashes, a little bit of damage to the, to, the, to the driver. Best thing to do, don't, don't rear-end anyone. Pay attention. Be aware of your surroundings. Every good driver knows this. In fact, it's just a miracle that a car of this nature doesn't explode when crashed. You're forgetting these cars are built on lithium-ion batteries. If there's anything you learned from the Note 8, or not the Note 8, the Note 7 fiasco, it's that any sort of damage to the battery, just nodes bending and contacting each other, can cause the battery to burn and explode. To that point, it is a miracle that the Model S has included so much safety that those batteries are not at risk in any way, shape, or form. 
This is actually an amazing feat. So with that, one little B on an otherwise straight A report card is fine. To me, anyway. But that's not why I'm talking about this. No, 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 no. I am talking about this story because of Elon Musk's and Tesla's response to the IIHS rating. It is as follows. While the IIHS and dozens of other private industry groups around the world have methods and motivations that suit their own subjective purposes, the most objective and accurate independent testing of vehicle safety is currently being done by the U.S. government, which has found the Model S and Model X to be the two cars with the lowest probability of injury of any cars it has ever tested making them the safest cars in history. It's kind of funny. This response, while trying to sound as professional as possible, is at the same time trying to be as much of a douche to the IIHS's tests, which, granted, did find some very slightly troubling things. The fact that the airbags do not inflate enough to prevent the driver from not smacking their face against the steering wheel is a little troubling. The fact that shattered wheel fragments and calipers can enter the cab where the driver is, is concerning. There are legitimate concerns that the IIHS has brought up. I love the fact that that Tesla's response is not... Well, that's troubling. We're going to work on improving that on future models. But otherwise, your chance of survival is one of the highest out there. Or even bringing up, as the chat is right now, the various distance sensors that the Model S already has built in to prevent crashes. No. Their response is to talk about how the IA. IIHS is inferior to other tests that have already been done. That, my friends, is what everyone in the Twitch world calls someone who is both tilted and very, very salty. That's going to do it for me, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And thank you to Adamisk for co-hosting with me. You can find him live at twitch.tv slash A-D-I-M-Y-S-K. Pretty much every day of the week in the afternoons, you can find me at twitch.tv slash eagle underscore falcon. Take care. I'll see you next week.